ever know someone whose presence feels amazing? This is good. Ever know another whose presence is draining on your energy? They live off your energy. They feed off it. These are the vampires. There's a lot of them. With some wisdom, they become harmless. But I am sure you've encountered them before. Copenhagen, like all cities, is a spiritual battleground. So stay tuned for this gruesome affair. They're the happiest vampires in the world. Copenhagen, Denmark is infested with creatures of darkness and of light. Finding yourself in the talons of an owl in the shadows of the forest moonlight. It's a gruesome affair. Love and hate are closely related. When you love something, you want to keep it safe so you can keep on loving it. Same with hate, you don't want to kill it, otherwise you can't enjoy hating it. There's a kind of dark side to the truth. Illusions are much more comforting. This doesn't always make sense, but it probably does for you. Moving to Copenhagen was an easy choice. Before COVID, I had an offer with a global company in the city center. I loved my native home, New York City, but the next chapter was going to be in Copenhagen, Denmark. Of course, there are vampires in Copenhagen. I just had no idea this place was totally infested with them. I didn't know how to spot them back then, back in 2018, but I do know how to spot them now. I'm going to tell you everything I know, and maybe you'll be a better vampire slayer than I could ever be. It's easy to spot them if you just listen to their twisted words, watch them, and listen to your own intuition. Language is a frequency, and it doesn't lie. It makes sense why they're here, just like back in New York. A lot of successful people, wealth, beauty, some famous or known. The forbidden pleasures of life are abundant, as are those enslaved by them. As the saying goes, vampires be vamping, and it's vamping season in Copenhagen 24-7, 365. When I first arrived in town, work kept me busy. We were hosting a seminar with clients and client service people globally. I'm the guy that makes sure things get done, binders get printed and set on chairs, presentation files loaded, people know where to go, and an agenda is printed and distributed. The days were long, but we pulled it off well. Onto the Copenhagen nightlife. I can tell you that if you've ever gone out in Denmark, Let's just say people are generally not sober. Some women dress casual in Adidas or Nike sneakers, jeans, and comfy stuff, while others dress up like, and I'm talking about women, Wonder Woman with boots, a short skirt, and a minimal top, and try to show as much leg as possible, even in winter. They know the cost of getting what they want, what they covet, attention. The first time I went out in town, I was with mainly client service staff from New York. We just went to some bar. There's one literally named Wall Street Pub. So naturally, we went there. As I walked through the center of town, I noticed a man standing on a rooftop making a pose with one leg grounded and the other behind him raised. It was kind of strange. We walked on and I looked back again. A man with a similar stance was now standing on the sidewalk. Again, one foot grounded and one foot raised back. Weird pose. I just shrugged it off and didn't break rapport with my colleagues. We had a round at Wall Street Pub and then rolled onward. We found ourselves at a place called Togo's Bar, near the fountain in the center where all the politicians hang out and the political wannabes. Many of the wannabes have not realized yet that being in politics or journalism will require promoting an agenda behind a veil of comforting illusions for the masses. Same as in America. A young woman in Togos started to talk to me. Are you studying political science? She asked. No, I said. I work for one of the companies here, something with investments. I said. Oh, well fuck you she said in a weird but friendly way that's part of this game life things have to be surprising 
Why'd you say that? I asked. I just come here to meet people who work in government or capitalists to tell them that. So, fuck you. She said again in a smiling, friendly demeanor. Do you feel better? I asked. Yes, she said. While we were talking, she ordered two Carlsbergs. This is a Danish beer. One for me and one for her. So, you tell me, fuck you, but you buy me a beer? I asked. Fuck you, she said. The only thing worse than capitalists, politicians, and people who make marketing and fake news is vampires, she said. Vampires, I said. I don't dismiss vampires. I mean, I don't dismiss reptilians, demons, or Pleiadian spirit guides, so gotta leave the door open to some vamping too. If anything, they are real. Narcissists are vampires. People out for themselves at the Machiavellian detriment of abusing others are vampires. It's not blood, it's energy they suck out of people. And they certainly can't see themselves for what they are, reflection, except in some brief moments of clarity. This town is full of them. I can spot them a mile away. Do you think there are any in here right now? She asked. I felt a little torn as I came in here with my colleagues and now I was just ditching them to talk to this tousled bird mad girl who keeps telling me, fuck you, while smiling. I lost my thoughts for a moment. This was a bit strange. Interesting, but strange. Fuck you, she said. Can you spot the vamps in here? She persisted. I looked around. It was Friday night. The place was packed. There were some women sitting in a group talking loudly, various groups standing and very animated, a few loners drinking at the bar area. There were my colleagues, men dressed in business attire. Anything? She said. I mean, maybe, maybe you are. I said, no, not me. I mean, I am like a vampire, but for the good guys. She said, look around or don't look, feel it. Which ones are the vamps? A little hint, I count two. She said, okay, I like this game, but vamps, certainly not like my colleagues. I spotted two at a table. They were young, one dude and one girl, both blonde. Their skin was impeccable. They had big hair and leather to match. Both had rings, necklaces, earrings, all silver or black. Those two at the table, I said, bingo, she said. Those kids are probably the oldest people in here, she added. Probably not, I said. We had a Harvard man with us that was in his 70s. I don't say fuck you to them. I just keep my distance and don't ever invite one into your house. You'll learn all about it if you do, but it will be too late by then, she said. My name is Sophia, she said. Justin, I said. Fuck you and nice to meet you, she said, and she stepped off her stool and headed out. She threw a backpack over her right shoulder and walked through the crowd. It all happened so fast, I just stood there for a second and then followed. Going through the crowd, I stepped down some stairs to get to the street or sidewalk in front of the place. She wasn't there. I walked to the right and there was a church there and a lot of bicycles, but nothing, no people, not her, but it was very misty. I could barely see through the nighttime mist to the red bricks of the church, but nothing was there, just a lot of parked bicycles. I went back the other way towards the square with the fountain. Nothing. Weird. The city seemed so quiet. It almost felt like a dream. How does someone just disappear into thin air like that? I went back into the venue. My colleagues were having a great time. Where you been? Asked my colleague, Jen. Just outside. It's gotten really foggy out there. The night carried on from there. By Monday, most of the international people visiting for our seminar had returned to their home countries. Sunday night, I moved from a hotel to an apartment. It's funny, in New York, I had a roommate in a tiny apartment. In this city, I was going to have my own apartment for the first time in my life. And there was a separate living room, dining room, and eat-in kitchen. 
could get used to this. In this town, all one needs is a mobile phone and a bicycle, and one is literally rolling. I walked home from work, and there she was, on the street, strangely like a synchronicity, one of the first people I see. Hey, Sophia, thanks for last time, I said. Fuck you, she said, smiling at me. Her eyes, she really looked at me when she did, and smiled. The repeating fuck yous were getting enjoyable. We were both walking in the same direction. The situation is kind of weird in the sense that you are walking with someone, but more by coincidence than intention or synchronicity may be a more accurate word. Do you want to get an ice cream with me? She asked. There's a place in Nebro that makes ice cream with no dairy and no sugar, and it's really good. She said, sure, I said. Then I said, you mean now? Yeah, now, fuck you, let's go to nice cream, she said. I was literally brand spanking new to this town and had not a friend here and was at least an eight hour flight from anyone I know except people that I work with, so why not? Plus, she was really cute. Okay, let's do it, I said. And we continued walking in the direction towards Norbro. By the way, it's on the west side of Copenhagen even though the word nor means north. The early Copenhageners must have had a compass that was 90 degrees off. The neighborhood is a mix of weirdos, immigrants, and young people who can best afford to live amongst them, making for a very cool part of the city. That's when we saw them, a group of guys, four of them. I recognized one of them from the bar Friday night, the vampire. These guys looked like they were in a metal band without the music or something. They seemed younger. I was in my late 20s, but they all seemed younger. But it was hard to place. Who's your friend, Sophia? The one I recognized asked. He didn't blink and just glared at her with a cold face. And there was a certain aggression in his voice. Leave him alone. He's just moved here from New York, she said. New York? Nice town. He said, what's your name, city boy? He asked, Justin. I said, wishing I had something more clever to say. Welcome to Copenhagen. He said, I'm Jackie. This is Jesper, Frederick, and Gustav. Jesper looked at me and said, promenade three at the beach. Do you know how to get to Amarstrand, the beach? He asked, no, I said. You're going to find out tonight, Justin, Jackie said, and then, come on. Sophia walked to him, and he put his arm around her. They started walking towards the bikes at Norport, a part of town at the end of the street, and they all unlocked a bike. They had cool bikes, as a lot do in Copenhagen. I unlocked mine and pedaled after them. It was getting dark, and I did not have any bicycle lights. In Copenhagen, riding a bike at night is unlawful. They call it a sort sukel, which means black bike. I tried to keep up, and they pedaled out towards the beach. It was through the city center, over a bridge, and through a long urban street in a part of Copenhagen called Amar. They didn't talk, but they did sometimes laugh and cry out things I didn't understand. As we approached the beach, the warm nighttime air was misty. I couldn't see that far, but could make out what we were biking on as a meandering pathway surrounded by sand and small sand dunes on each side. When we arrived at a flat, concrete area next to what looked like a modern bunker, Sophia was standing there in the fog. You don't have to do this, she said. You should probably just go, she said. No, it's cool, I said. She passed me a flask. Try this. She said, I did, and whatever that moonshine was, it was nasty. Justin, this is what we do in Denmark. We drink and we swim at night. I heard one of the guys say through the mist, the water might not be warm, but it's warmer than it is in January. Another voice said, and then some laughter. There's a concrete pier that walks out to a small lighthouse. It's out in the water. I could see the light from the lighthouse, but not much else. I walked out there, but when I got there, there was nobody, no one. I heard the voices from the sea, 
Come in, it's fresh. Join the party, Justin. I stripped down to my underwear and stepped onto the ledge. I couldn't see the water. I couldn't see anything really. Just the mist pulsing and brightness from the lighthouse and the laughter and the shout outs. Come on, Justin, said one. Just jump, you'll love it, said another. Don't think, just do it, said another. I felt myself plunge into the air, but I just started falling. It was like floating. It all went black. I don't know why I was there. I lost track of time in the fall and then suddenly woke up. I woke up in my own bed, safe and dry. I checked the time on my phone. 8.01, Tuesday morning. I felt strangely rested. I got up and got dressed for work. That day was strangely normal. A couple team meetings at work and then some time to work on a project. Lunch with the colleagues was the typical banter about mainstream topics, entertainment, and restaurants. Fuck, I don't even know where I was last night or if my night was even real. But I listened to the pleasant normal talk. People tell me about movies and TV shows and recommend them. I usually thank them for the recommendation, but I know I'll never watch it. I was home that night when the doorbell rang. This was the first time I had actually ever heard my doorbell ring. Now I know it works. Hi, it's Sophia. Can you let me in? Said the voice on the intercom. Uh, yeah, sure. Come on up. I said as I pressed the button that looked like the most likely button to open the door six floors down at street level. It's all stairs up to my apartment. Sophia came up. She looked razzled like she had a crazy day. How did you know I live here? I said... Your blue bike is parked out front, and the front door has your name on it. Plus, you told me where it was. She said, Do you think I'm pretty? She said while biting her lip and looking downward. She looked amazing. She was playing with her hair, twisting it. Yeah, I said. Cute, I added. And she pushed me down on the sofa, climbed on my legs, and started kissing me on the lips and on my face and on my neck and she was biting me. It felt amazing, and her skin was warm, and her scent was euphoric. I lost myself in the passion. Her lips were smooth as oil and really red even after the lipstick was rubbed off them. We turned off all the lights, but the room filled with moonlight. It was like being in a black and white movie, only no movie is this good. The night was, well, delicious. I won't say more, other than that this girl was a freak, the good kind. In the morning, she was rubbing my back and neck. There's a lot of vampires in New York, she asked. Did you know any? She asked. I think I did. That town has a little bit of everything. A lot of bit. A lot of bite, I said, chuckling. Do you know the ten rules of vamping? She asked. This girl was getting more freakish. I like the vibe. Vampire pillow talk. I can handle it. I know how they become vampires, and I know how to kill them. I said, I've seen a lot of vampire movies and read a couple of vampire comic books when I was a kid. I said, How does one become a vampire? She asked. With a bite, I said, and she bit my neck, but softly, and then she let out a laugh. Let's just say they don't need to have any mirrors and they don't like the sun, I said. No, they sleep during the day and ideally on consecrated ground, she said. Consecrated? I said, questioningly. Sacred, she said. Do you know what is sacred? She asked. What, like a church? I asked. No, silly rabbit, you are sacred, she said, while putting her hand over my heart with an open palm against my heart. She looked deep into my eyes and I could see the light shining from her soul. She laid down on top of me. I saw the tattoo on her back. It was on her right shoulder blade. Something about that weird tattoo looked cultish. It was an outlined black horizontal line inside a black circle. Typo negative, she said. It's my blood type. I knew she was lying about that. Movies taught people that vampires become vampires by bites. 
that they don't do sunlight, that they sleep in coffins, which isn't always true, and that they can only be killed with a wooden stake through their hearts. She said, don't believe everything you see in the movies. She started laughing. Hollywood is actually a magic factory that casts spells on humanity, she said. Same with movies made here in Denmark, mostly, she said. Did you know vampires can use telepathy and mind control and they can shapeshift, she asked. Shapeshift? I asked. Like, poof and into a bat? I said. And she continued. Or a wolf, or a cat, or a spider, or an owl, or just into mist, she said. Mist, like smoke, like smoking. Owl. That's ironic. But yeah, I didn't know that, I said. They hate garlic. Everyone knows that, but most don't know that they also hate peppermint, she said. All that is needed to rid the world of vampires is garlic, peppermint, wild roses, and ashes of dead vampires, she said. Isn't that poetic? Some wooden stakes and a gravedigger's shovel and a pile of bricks wouldn't hurt either. Or maybe they would, she said, and started to crack up. Cool girl. She's absolutely insane, but... After all, that seems to be what I like. Crazy. Just like me. What's the shovel and bricks for? I asked. The peppermint works just like garlic. Repellent. The wild roses placed on them while they're sleeping means that they can never wake up. If they consume ashes of a burnt vampire, they will be cured. She said. Shovel? I asked. You drive a stake through their heart, decapitate their head with the gravedigger's spade, you know, shovel and shove a brick into their dead mouth, and that vamp is done and dusted for eternity. She said while acting it out. Mental note, I love the crazy ones. You should probably also know a few other things, she said. They can only shapeshift at sunset, sunrise, or if there's a full moon. Did you know hospitals have to staff extra during the full moon? Google that, it's real, she said. Another is that they cannot fly, but they can levitate. And sometimes the levitating seems like flying, but it's not, she said. Did you read a book about this or something? I asked. You can get a book, but hang around here and you're going to learn all about it from life, she said. She suddenly looked really concerned. What's today? She said, Tuesday. I said, oh crap, I have a class in 20 minutes, she said as she sprung up. Don't you have a job or something? She said. Yeah. And we both dressed quickly and jetted out of there. Back to the office where time distorts. It goes by slower and nobody even mentions vampires. Although they do talk about black swans, angel investors, and fallen angel investments. It all gets narrowed down to a bunch of numbers in a PowerPoint slide, Excel spreadsheet, or PDF document. We have a bird's eye view of the city from our office the city out there. It's like another world that doesn't even exist when you're in here. The universe is speaking to me. It's speaking to you too, dear listener. The week flew by and Friday I went to town with my colleagues Jin and Levin. We went to a concert bar venue called Hotel Sissel. There's no hotel. It seems to be a thing in Copenhagen to throw the name hotel or motel into the names of nightclubs, even though it has nothing to do with hospitality. A little after midnight, I got a text from Sophia. I want to see you tonight. Promenade 3. Please come now. Girls can be so weird like that, avoidant and then insistent. I texted into my phone, everything cool? And almost instantly got a reply, please come now. Guys, something's come up. I gotta make like a banana and split. Something with a girl. I said. They know the drill. They were cool. I pedaled out to the beach. The summer breeze was warm biking out there. I swore the air was permeated with the warm, balmy scent of jasmine. Sophia was on my mind. When I arrived, she was sitting on the concrete wall around a flat concrete section that is popular with skaters, inline skaters, and would you believe, wind skaters during the daytime. It was completely void of people now. Just her and Jackie. Fuck. I almost said, thinking that it would be just her and I. Justin, 
it's Friday night and you know we like to party at such times. Jackie said, where's the party? I said, our place. He said, he spoke some Danish to Sophia. Copenhageners love to have a lot of square meters in their home, but us, Justin, the whole city is ours, Jackie said. The whole world, Sophia added to Jackie's statement. Jackie laughed. The whole world, he said, laughing with wolf eyes staring dead at me. Did you know that the Germans built bunkers all over the coastlines of Denmark during World War II? He asked. Thank you, Adolf, he added. Tonight, you're going to learn what free community housing really looks like, Jackie said as he and Sophia and I biked south past a harbor and then past the aquarium to a sparse area between the airport and the sea. There was a door against a cliff. Jackie opened it and we walked in. They were all there, the others, Frederick, Gustav, and Jesper. There was music playing, cool music. The walls were vertical, flat, and concrete. There were sections of the walls and floor that were natural rock. There was graffiti all over the place. There were tons of comfortable chairs, cool dim lamps, and musical instruments. While I am partial to piano, there was none, but there were guitars, djemba drums, a steel handpan, an assortment of didgeridoos, large crystal bowls, metal singing bowls like those Tibetan ones, and other stuff I didn't recognize. There was a microphone stand. There were posters on the wall. One was that poster of Robert Smith, and it said the words, The Cure, Disintegration. I love that album. Sit down, Justin, Jackie said. I felt uneasy. My gut was screaming the alarm bells. I felt that they knew something and were enjoying playing this game. Part of the game is the uneasiness that I feel. At the same time, there was something really cool about this and these people. I am not sure how Sophia fits into the equation here, but I wanted to find out. I sat down. Justin, there are two main dishes people eat at night in Copenhagen, kebab and burgers. He pulled out a burger from a white bag and handed it to me. Nobody else was eating, but I unwrapped it and took a bite. I looked at it. It looked good. Jackie looked at me. Justin, you're eating dirt. I looked at it again and surely it was a patty of dirt. I spit it out and made a WTF expression. This one is better. Kebab, Jackie said and handed it to me. One billion Muslims can't be wrong. He added. I looked at it. Frederick, Jesper, and Gustav were all watching me with intense eyes. I looked at it. This time it looked fine. I took a bite. Justin, you're eating slugs. Black slugs from the forest in Amar. Jackie said. I looked inside the pita. I swear it was meat like kebab meat, but now it was slimy, thick, black slugs. Nasty. I felt sick and spit out what was in my mouth. Fuck this, I said. This was not fun. Jackie took out what looked like an old bottle of wine and took a swig and passed it to Frederick. That's good shit, Frederick said and passed the bottle to Jesper. Lekert, he said, which means delicious in Danish, and he passed it to Gustav. After a swig, Gustav handed me the bottle. It was wrapped in wood twine and braided, making a Viking or Celtic kind of pattern. It's blood, Jackie said. Yeah, right. Sophie looked at me. She said, you already had some when we went swimming. You don't have to drink it. I took a sip. It was sweet and thick. Immediately, I felt sick. I looked around the room and the voices seemed to echo and I saw tracers. I looked back past Jackie at the wall and read the graffiti. It said, the pigs all got a big surprise coming in year zero. That's all I remember. Just the warm air, the musky scent. When I woke up, the place was silent. Even though it was Ursund, the body of water between Denmark and Sweden where there's no ocean waves, I could hear the water and wind and then occasionally noise from airplanes taking off at the airport which was nearby. I was laying on a bed in another room. 
with Sophia. She looked beautiful. There's something about her eyelashes and soft, shiny lips and button nose. She just looked so good, like an angel. She was naked, but covered with a thick, down blanket. I'm sorry I brought you here, she said. You didn't have to come, she added, and then, fuck you, in a friendly way. It was a weird thing to say, and I felt like she said it not to comfort me, but to relieve herself of some kind of accountability. I was really disoriented and was honestly not sure why I had gone there and could not remember anything after drinking that wine. I guess I'm acting on impulses while my intuition is adding doubt. I was not sure what had happened between Sophia and I, but I kind of actually did. I looked at my iPhone, 1010. Shit, I gotta go, I said, and just left. I biked back to the city, to my place, which is a top floor apartment in the city center. I just wanted to be home, behind a locked door, and have some time to sleep, catch myself, and figure out what the hell is going on. I woke up again a few hours later. I did some training, deadlifts, and pull-ups, and dips. I made some food. I checked my phone. Nothing. I went out Saturday. I didn't want to go into the nightlife, but I didn't want to stay home either. I stopped by a place called Den Elektrisk Jarnal in Danish, which means the electric corner. People mix the languages because the Danish word for electric, which is elektrisk, with two Ks, is more cool. Justin, how have you been? Came a voice. It was a young man. Later, I would find out a business student. What's your name? I asked. Cosman, he said. Cool, he said. We spoke at Togo's the other night. He was there with the same gang, him, James, and Sammy. Cosman was from somewhere else in Europe, and the other two were born and raised right here in Denmark. I love America, Sammy said. This was refreshing, as my being American is frequently a topic for people to address. That girl, Cosman said. Did you notice anything strange about her? He asked. Or the people that she runs with? He added, runs with? I asked. They're fucking vampires, he said. Bloodsuckers, he added. James was missing. Sammy added more. America is amazing. I wish I could live there for a year or longer. Denmark is also amazing, he said. I liked the positive vibe. At the end of the day, people are people, I said. Are you having a good time here, he asked. I have a good time everywhere I go, I said. And I meant that. James came back with a long plastic tray. There were ten shots of tequila on it. He held it out towards me, signaling me to take a shot. I didn't want to drink. I was just out to get some fresh air, move around a bit, and get Sophia out of my head. What the hell? I said, picking up a shot glass. The four of us held up our shot glasses and exclaimed, Skolt, which means cheers in Danish. James screamed over it. And tonight, we send those vampires back to hell where they came from. Back to hell, fuckers, Cosman said. I got some wood stakes for some creatures of the night, Cosman added. I kill vampires for breakfast. Those words just came out of my mouth, but I meant it. We shot our shots. I felt the tequila tear down my throat and the blood rushed to my head. Justin, you're coming with us, Sammy said. Being midsummer, there was still some light in the sky even after 11 o'clock at night. At midnight, we're heading out to the beach. We know where they live. We've got wood stakes, holy water, peppermint, and garlic. Cosman filled up a bottle of holy water from Orfru's Kirka, the church where Prince Frederick married Mary. He said, We're gonna fuck those vampires up. Sammy added while squinting joy and smiling. Killing vampires is fun. You will join us, he asked. Really? We're all going to bike down to the beach with a bag full of wood sticks and herbs and spices and kill people for real? I asked. Not for real, 
You can't kill something that's already dead, he said. Think of it more as preventing more bloodshed of innocent mortal blood by letting something be what it already is, he said. We're not killing anything. We're just letting something already dead die already. Think of it as liberating the dead from hell. Their own soul would beg you to do it if it could just control its dead now vampire body, he said. Have you done this before? I asked. That's like asking a New Yorker if they've ever killed a cockroach. Of course, he said. Guys, it's time, James said while pointing his finger up and swirling it around. He looked at me. When you swing your finger like that, it's like a hand sign that the chopper is coming around to pick us up. Time to move out. We have a lot of hand signs. Sometimes you can't hear anything in the nightlife. We mounted our bikes and took off under an ebbing moon, bringing light to the midnight Copenhagen. The first stop was the King's Garden, AKA in Danish, Kongenshave. Just a sec, Sammy said, and then he scaled the wall into the King's Garden, which is a park, but it's closed at this time. James was explaining the exact methods that can be used to kill a vampire. Sammy returned with a bunch of roses if you lay one of these roses on a vampire while he is sleeping, he never wakes up forever. He said, they have to be wild roses. I think these are wild enough, he added. There's a rose garden in there next to the castle, Rosenborg, an actual castle in the city center. So now we even have freshly picked wild roses. And we all pedaled off after that. As we biked across the city canal and towards the beach, we had time to talk. Some say the Danes are the happiest people, Cosman said. Happiest people. <laughs> Do happy people tell you they are happy? James said. There's a dark side to the truth. Many can't face it. Can you face it, Justin? James asked. Did you know Denmark has twice the suicide rate as your country, the US, and triple that of the UK, where the climate is just about the same? How's that for happy? James said. I was feeling a little bit uncomfortable now. In Australia, they call it the tall poppy syndrome. It's like a dysfunctional family driven by insecurity and inhibitive denial. Envious mindsets. The taxes aren't because they're fair. They're like envy taxes. There's an inability to take criticism. That's part of the conditioning. The puppet masters use calculated combinations of guilt and enticement to create a world where the emotions of the weakest are promoted to create a more emotionally deprived mass. The more dependent and deprived the people are, the stronger the collective is. James added, Machiavellian egocentricity, Cosman added. As we curved on a rounded bike path that passed the Telia headquarters in Copenhagen, the bike path now pointed us out parallel to the beach. Conformism, mental slavery, false contentment, false crises, problem reaction solution, manufactured consent, learned helplessness. Cosman was just listing crazy stuff now. The state is totalitarian with a false left-right paradigm, you know? Let the slaves fight amongst each other, while the state moves forward unchallenged with its actual unspoken agenda. Cosman added, I think he had some more tequila than I did. They tell the Danes they are happy. What do they tell you guys back in America? Sammy asked. They tell us that we are free, I said, and we all burst out laughing. What the fuck does this have to do with vampires? I asked. There was a traffic light, and when we crossed it, we were now biking on a concrete path to the beach. There were no cars past this point, and no lights either. No empathy, false compassion, magical thinking, Cosman said, meandering smooth concrete pathways that moved through the sand dunes. I knew exactly where we were going. I've been there before. I've slept there. I've done other things there. It was dark. For a minute, the only sound was the chains grinding on our gears of our bicycles 
and the tires rolling against the concrete. The ebbing moon made the whole place seem like a big, submersive, black and white movie. Like I was riding my bicycle in a 3D game to kill vampires that were dead already. That thought hit me. A lot of weird shit has happened in the past week. This one week feels like a whole year. Actually, it feels like a lifetime. I just want to be with Sophia, but I also know that this is just the weak part of my psyche. We need to do this. My intuition is that these vampires really are vampires. And if these three tequila-drinking vampire hunters are right, tonight is the night. Once you can spot a narcissist, you see all of them, James said. Spend enough time close to a vampire and you can spot them a mile away, he added. Their trickery no longer works on you. Their words, spells become wasted breath. People are mirrors, so you show them the one thing they cannot stand, the one thing that they absolutely hate, and they will rage to prevent people from even thinking about it, he said. And what's that? I asked. It's the truth. They hate the truth, and they hate themselves, he said. That's the difference between them and us. You see, they hate the truth, and us, we love the truth. That's what this is all about, he said. Fuck yeah, I said, and I realized that these crazy tequila slurping vampire slayers were fucking right. We biked past a harbor and boats lined up on piers and onward to that familiar place. The cliffs against the water, just east of the airport, Copenhagen Airport, or as they say in Danish, Kibbenhaun's Lufthavn. We laid our bikes on the grass near the entrance to where the vampire gang lived. James walked ahead. He did look like a spiritual warrior, walking confidently and walking with intention. I could tell he couldn't wait to waste those creatures of the night. He looked like a character in a black and white action movie with his backpack. I was the only one who didn't have a backpack when I left my apartment. I brought just my usual four items, keys, wallet, phone, and watch. Cosman handed me a stack of wooden stakes, a plastic bottle of water, and a clump of leaves. The water is holy, and this is mint, he said. I put them both in each of my back pockets. Sammy handed me a few cloves of garlic and four wild roses. Set the roses on the vampires and they can never awaken, he said. I stuffed the garlic in my back pocket too with the mint and held the roses on the stack of wooden stakes. Are we really going to do this? I asked. Yeah, it's not going to end well for the bloodsuckers, he said, looking at me while smiling with confidence. Their confidence was contagious. We're really going to kill them? I added. Justin, they're already dead. Think of it as taking the garbage out, Sammy said. And we all approached the door. I was getting nervous and excited. I didn't like the vibe of those vampires and imagined that they would feed off the life force of this city for millennia until someone did something about it. I have to admit, I felt seduced by the dark side at times, but I know which team I'm working for. I'm with the mortals. Even though we are actually immortal in the astral, I'm with humanity. Life and life means love. I will do the dirty work for the living. I'm here to serve my tribe. I felt the adrenaline start to pump through my blood. My heart was beating. It was windy along the coast but the dark, cool summer night wind felt good against my skin. I could feel my heart beating even harder now. I took a deep breath to calm my nerves. I realized, this is it. It's better this way. It's best I didn't even know this would happen when I left my home tonight. This is a calling. I am meant to be here. The good forces of the universe are working through my hands our hands, your hands. I couldn't wait to dust those nighttime levitators. I love it when the tables turn, when the hunters become the hunted.
it's the feeling of fear turning into a spiritual justice and optimism of glory. James held the door open as we filed into the vampire den one by one, trying to be as silent as possible. This was too easy. It's a bad night to be a vampire. This is going to be a win for Copenhagen, for New York, and most of all, for mortal humanity. The score is getting settled tonight. No more fear, no more thinking. Time to act. This is the fact. We're just facilitators, the ones who understand and do the work to take out the garbage. What goes up must go down, and what comes from hell has its destiny scripted to return to hell. It's just a matter of time. We're just putting in a good effort to speed up the process. It was pitch black in there. I could feel the presence of evil. I could sense it. I felt the danger, but knew I was safe. I could sense an unconscious, silent fear coming from the silent enemy. I heard a nearly silent pitter-patter in the darkness. One of us was moving around quickly and lightly in near silence. Then I heard James' voice, loud and bold. Let there be light. And suddenly, a bright bicycle lamp, one of those fancy LED ones, was shining on a vampire with a rose on his face. Sammy was holding the light up high and shining it down on one of the sleeping corpses of the vampires. It was Jackie, asleep, with a wild rose laying across his face. Sammy aimed the light around the room, revealing six vampire corpses in total, all with wild roses laying on their youthful faces. Don't touch any of them, James said. I wouldn't. I said, as long as the roses are on their faces or on top of them, they can't wake up. James said, We can stake this vampire trash when we feel like it, Cosman said. Which will be tonight, James said. We need to burn one too to get the ashes, he added. For what? I asked. We gotta stake them and bake them, he added. For the ashes, Cosman added. Sammy shined the white light of his LED gadget on Cosman. It was strange seeing Cosman speak like under a stage lamp while surrounded by darkness. The darkness having the actual corpses of six vampires laying among us in their evil peace. It was strange and beautiful. After all these years of fear and ignorance, now the identity of these evil ones is so clear. They're probably over a century old, each of them, but they look so young and potent, laying there, each of them paralyzed by something so simple and so delicate. It was just amazing. The thing that we feared was now powerless and at our mercy. The lies and trickery now have zero effect. The whole time evil has been with us and it's been this easy to beat it and this much fun too. We just had to shed the ignorance and fear, and it's literally easy and fun. You need to drink water with the ashes. Sophia too. We're not just here to dust these dark freaks. We're also here to save your life. Cosman added. I felt the pressure on my chest and goosebumps when he said that. Yeah, it's making sense now. I knew they were both malevolent and benevolent entities all around us. But damn, when the good guys show up, they really get the job done effectively. Wow. Sammy shined the bike light around the room. All those vampires. I recognized Jesper, Frederick, Jackie, and Gustav, but not the other two. One vampire ash cocktail and the Jezebel spirit will fall out of Sophia in 60 seconds or less, James said. Don't jez my balls, Sammy said jokingly, and we all laughed while he put out four shot glasses on a stone surface in the mists of the darkness. I think he got those shot glasses with a five-finger discount at the electric corner bar. 
Thank you, Mr. Bar Owner, for your unwilling generosity. He poured some liquid into each clear glass. Tequila, he said. I knew staking these vamps and burning one would be some work later, but I was ready to enjoy a moment. I picked up the little full glass and held it up. I heard the words, Skull and cheers. There was no need to be quiet. We took our shots and I felt my throat burn. I heard the delighted howls around me and added my own howl. What a day, what a night. The masses of this realm are awakening to the evil around them. It's been here our whole lives for generations, distracting and attacking. The ones behind the veil are becoming more visible, in some cases, glaringly. We are mortals and discovering our intuition. Evil lies and tricks are no longer working so well. Truth is gaining the upper hand. In the end, the lies and deceit die with the liars. And the truth exists because it doesn't require lips to speak it to exist. With enough time, the truth always wins. It's that simple. The hunters have now become the hunted. It's like a chess game now. We are the pure-blood mortal humans. We are going to fight for ourselves, for our communities, for our families, and for our nations. They know we are going to win, and they are going to lose. Now they are just trying to drag the game out to delay the inevitable. That's okay with me. Why? Because when you have the upper hand, the game becomes fun. I enjoy hunting and destroying evil for the benevolence and also for the thrill of it. We are making space for the life and love that we choose. Vampires of Earthrealm, with love, with love, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. To my forest friends, thank you for listening to another horrible tale. Dusk is a time of transition. It is an owl's wake-up call. As the shadows grow longer and darkness takes over, the only thing to really fear is fear itself. So be still in the storm, and I promise you, you will be safe. Please help this channel grow to 10,000 subscribers by ripping at the subscribe button and scratching a comment. I read every single comment here and am honored and energized by each new subscriber. More tales are in the works, so I hope to see you very soon here on the Smoking Owl Tales channel on another night very soon. 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 Another night very soon.